Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. Today, I want to draw your attention to a book in the Bible that I believe is a wonderful story and a picture, an image, a shadow, a simile, a typology of Jesus' love for us. And I'm going to preach today uh, on one of the greatest demonstrations of God's love for mankind. You, when we talk about the grace and when we talk about this thing called the grace of God, those of us that go to church, we usually flip our pages to the New Testament. Because for some reason, we connect grace with New Testament. We connect grace with New Testament. And so as a result, many people don't, many believers don't even like to read much the Bible. Primarily the Old Testament. Because of that mindset that says the old is law, is rules, is thou can't do this and thou can't do the other. Um, and we just jump straight into the New Testament because for us, New Testament represents grace. And it is grace. But the New Testament is just the other side of what was written in the Old Testament. Many people don't read the Old Testament because they feel it's an old book. But when you read the Bible and you study the Bible, the Old Testament is not called Old Testament because it's outdated. It's considered old as, in, as it relates to when you, know, when you revere your grandma and you look at my old man, my old woman. That, that, that element of Old Testament is an element of revering. It's, it's important. And so it's not that now that we have the New Testament, let's do away with the old. Because if I'll be honest with you, if I, were, if, if I were to literally take out every Bible verse in the Old Testament, take it out of the Bible, you won't even hardly have a New Testament. Because every theology, every teaching, every, every scripture that was prophesied or foretold, even by Jesus himself, is embedded within the fiber of the Old Testament. So the Old Testament is necessary. It's power. It's from there that we get our theology. It's from there that we get our, our faith. It's from there that we understand the mysteries of Christ in the life of humanity. So I want to encourage you, don't bypass the Old Testament, but let it speak to you and let it minister to you. And today, there's a book in the Old Testament I want to share, and it's found in the a book of Hosea. Hosea. And if you have your Bible, go with me to Hosea as you find it. Here's a little undergird of the story of Hosea. Hosea is called to prophesy in a very crucial time in the history of Israel. By this time, the kingdom of Jerusalem was split in half, the north and the south. And during this time, uh, King Solomon had just died. He passed away. King Solomon was David's son, King David. He passed away. And as a result, Jeroboam plunged into a mentality of idolatry, and he took the northern part of the kingdom into idolatry. And for literally two centuries, over 200 years, the northern kingdom and these kings began to do pagan worship and idol worship. And it was just distorted. It was a chaos. So during this time, God begins to speak in the life of several prophets. It's what we call contemporary prophets. You had the prophet Amos who began to prophesy somewhere around 753 years before Christ. You had Hosea and you had Jonah. These three prophets, God brings them to prophesy to his people who had turned from God and they've went to idolatry. 
It is in that time that God says, not only am I going to send one prophet, not only am I going to send two, I'm going to send three prophets to my people to let them know that there's something wrong with the picture. There's something wrong with what's going on because I did not create my people to live in idolatry. I created my people to turn to me. And so that's the undergird. That's the, that's the reason why now God is going to speak through Jonah. And we all know the story of Jonah and Nineveh and the whole dynamics. We know the story of Amos. But this story in particular, God is going to speak to his own people. And look at what God does. Look at what God does. God calls a man by the name of Hosea. And in Hosea chapter 1. Verse 1 and 2, listen to the verse and look at the screen with me. It says, the word of the Lord came to Hosea, son of Beery, during the reign of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel. What a great verse. That's a great verse. If, if, if the story would have stood right there in verse 1, that would have been a great story to preach. That the Lord himself, the word of the Lord came over Hosea. And not only does it mention his name, it mentions his father. As if to say, this guy is an important person. This guy is a person of influence by the name of Beery. Not only does it mention his name and his father's name, it mentions the people who were in kingdom, in leadership, during the time of Hosea. As if to say, this guy is influential. This guy is important. This guy is significant. Imagine if God were to tell you, John Doe, son of whoever your mother is. <laughs> In the times of Donald Trump. Imagine you're like, okay, Lord, I am ready to receive what you want to tell me. I am ready to embrace. There's a word coming from the Lord. Something phenomenal is about to come. And look what happens in verse 2. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, no, I don't know if you noticed the, the, the key. The, verse 1, it says, the word of the Lord came to Hosea. Verse 2 says, the word of the Lord spoke through Hosea. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go marry a promiscuous woman, translation, prostitute, and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of the unfaithfulness of the Lord. What an assignment. Imagine if God were to call you not to be a pastor, not to be a missionary. We all want to be missionaries. Not to be in the deacon board. What if God were to call you to marry a prostitute? Would you say, yes, Lord, here, here we go, whatever you want, Lord. The Lord calls Hosea to marry a prostitute. Now, now, a prophet represents God's will. A prophet represents the oracle of God. A prophet represents a representation of heaven on earth. That's what a prophet represents. Whenever a prophet would go into a city, kingdoms would kneel before the prophet because he represented God. So a prophet represents God's will. Yet a prostitute represents man's pleasure. And God says, I want God's will to be connected with. He says, he says, he says, I want you, Hosea, to marry a prostitute. So what does Hosea does? He marries this prostitute. 
What a combination. What a com- Can you imagine a prophet and a prostitute walking down Walmart? And all the other guys know, yeah, I slept with her. I slept, yeah, prophet, you must not know to have revelation of God. Because if you don't have revelation, you would never marry her. A prophet and a prostitute, hand in hand, walking together. And this was the will of God. To marry a prostitute. But I call this a perfect combination. If there's, because let me tell you, there's no such thing as the perfect couple. Can I get an amen? I know you look real nice next to your hubby talking about like this, doing selfies, hashtag, heart forever, LOL, to then do a part. Ain't no such thing as perfect couples. Ain't, no matter how holy or unholy you are, there's no such thing as perfect couples. But this is a perfect combination. Because when you look at the definition of these names, Hosea means in Hebrew, salvation. Gomer, which is the prostitute's name, Gomer in Hebrew means to be complete. God says, I want you to marry a prostitute because there's something about this prostitute that everything she does and anything she does, she does it to completion. You know, you, you got people that they half step, right? Hey, could you do me a favor? Could you put that over there? And I, and, and I asked you to put it over there, but you just put it right there. You never complete the job. There are people in life that never get the job done completed. There are people that get jobs and they get fired and they don't know why they got fired. Because you, you, you punch out of time, you come in late, you steal staplers, you take pencils, right? right? But there are people that they do the job complete. And those are the ones that get promotion. Those are the ones that get raises. Those are the ones that get favor. So even though this woman was a prostitute, she was a complete prostitute. Let me explain that because that just sounds real crazy right now. She was good at what she did. She would go 100%. And God says, this is the kind of relationship I want with humanity. I want salvation and a complete body to come together so that my love can be manifested through their lives. He says, go marry Gomer. Now, here's another thing about Gomer. Gomer is one of the few names in the Bible that is unisex. And I was Googling and researching, and I, I couldn't find many names in the Bible that were given to men and also to women. This is one of the few names in the Bible that it was given to men. For example, Noah's, Noah's son. Grandson, I'm sorry. Genesis chapter 10. Noah's son, grandson's name was Gomer. And then... The prostitute, her name is Gomer. This is the only unisex name I found in scripture. Which means that Gomer represents every single one of us here this morning. Which means that God is not after a male or a female. He is after everybody. So today you represent that Gomer that the Lord is saying, if you come to me and you embrace my salvation, my salvation will make you complete. And once completion and salvations come together, justice and peace will kiss and my glory will fill the earth. Listen to me. So God tells Hosea, marry prostitute. I cannot imagine the wedding, but I'll leave it at that. But something interesting happened. After the prophet brings this prostitute in, 
after the prophet obeys the Lord, marries a prostitute, provides a home for her, gives her not only one son, not only two sons, but three children, gives her a home. No longer does she have to live in the red light district. No longer has to be selling her body to try to make a dollar. No, no longer has she has to try to lure in other men. He, this man provides for her salvation. He provides for her hope. He gives her seed and he gives her a generation and he gives her genealogy. And she takes all of that and look what she does. Gomer decides to go left. She was complete. She, she went all in in the wedding. She went all in in the marriage. She gave him three kids. But Gomer has a spirit that whatever she does, she goes all the way. Gomer has a, the type of character that whatever she does, she, either you're going to go left all the way or you're going to go. There are people that never live in the middle. Either you go left or you go right. This Gomer chick was an all the way type of girl. And after God made provision for this woman, she decides to abandon the prophet. Gomer decides to leave Hosea and go back to her promiscuous lifestyle. She preferred the thrills of the red light district over the security and the comfort of her home. She neglected her offspring, her children. She neglected the commitment of the altar for the nothingness that the world had to offer. And while she's doing that, here you have a prophet that is betrayed. A prophet that because of her decision of going all the way, he now becomes a single parent. Hosea had to continue prophesizing and raising kids at the same time. Hosea has to prophesy the word of the Lord. And from chapter 2 to chapter 9, he is writing and doing poetry and doing all this stuff. And while all this is happening, he's alone. Rejected by his wife, raising three kids on his own, and still giving a word to a nation as a picture of God's reality with his nation of Israel. I'm speaking to somebody today. Do you remember when you first got married with the Lord? Do you remember when you first gave your life to Jesus? You went all in, gun ho. Do you remember when you first gave your life to Jesus? You was like Gomer. You was complete. You, if you was going to go to vigil, you'd be the first one. If you was going to come to prayer, you'd be the first one in, the last one out. If you were serving in ministry, you was the best servant. But something happened in you that you decided to say, wait a minute. The things outside look better, taste better, looks nicer. And you left the commitment of the altar. You left the commitment of your master for the thrills of life. I'll tell you this morning, don't abandon your Hosea. Don't abandon your salvation. Don't abandon the thing that God has provided for you so that you can live life to the fullest. She played them. Let me ask you, fellas. I know you sit next to your wife. But how would you react if your spouse would play you dirty? Come on. Devil is a lie. You don't cheat. Many, girl, girl, the moment you play me dirty, I'm signing divorce papers. Girl, girl, boy, boy, 
Sisters, can I get a good amen? Boy, she was unfaithful. So my question is, does that make Hosea free? Mm. At the end of the day, she committed adultery. And, 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 and New Testament tells us, teaches us, that, that we have the right to get divorced if there's unfaithfulness. And so, and so, and so but when I look at the scripture, when I look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament showed me something completely different. Because by the, by the way we do things, we feel that it's only right for Hosea to sign divorce papers. By the way, I ain't giving you child support. By the way, I'm having 100% custody. By the way, ain't no alimony for you. By the way, don't come back. No more, no more, right? Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back. He had the right to get divorced because she had ended the marriage. She, she broke the pact. She was with another man. So the question is, is Hosea free? Danny, stay right there. Is he free? Right? Is he free? No, he's not free. Because in the middle of adultery, look what God tells Hosea. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. The Lord said to me, go show your love your wife again. Come out. Come out. First of all, I didn't even want to marry her. But you said the word of the Lord came to me. And, and I'm in obedience. Because sometimes we feel that when we live life in obedience, the end result of obedience is blessings and blessings and blessings and blessings. But sometimes obedience comes with an undergrowth of crisis, but you've got to be willing to understand the process of God so that when the process is over, all things will work together for the good of them that love the Lord to them who are called according to his purpose. The Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought, look what he does. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver. And about a homer of a lethek of barley. Listen to me. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any other man. And I will behave the same way toward you. She had been unfaithful all along. And finally, she goes into the arms of another man. And not only does she go into another man, she is clinged. She is part. She is married to another man. Hosea, by the law, Hosea had all right to stone this girl. By all right, Hosea had the power and the authority of God to stone her and kill her. Just like we stand condemned by the law. If it were by the law, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. And we've come short to the glory. If it were by the law, we were all supposed to be dead. This woman 
you're supposed to have done. But look what God commands her. God commands Hosea to tell his wife. Look what, look what God tells Hosea. He tells her, love her again. He tells her, forgive her again. He tells her, love her. And not just go and love her, but be willing to pay the man she's been sleeping with and pay her back home. There's an element of emotions and there's an element of finance now. Because now you want me to bring a chick that I, I don't know if I could trust her. But then on top of that, I need to invest money. And I have to buy her out. And I have to pay a fee. Because back in the days, back in the days when people would get married, right? If I had three daughters and you wanted to marry one of my daughters, hey, Mr. Mejia, I want to marry your daughter. Here's a cow. Here's a donkey. Here's a mule. So the more animals you get, it was, it was a transaction back in the Bible days. So, so this woman became property of another man. And God tells Hosea, I want you to love her back. Notice the order. He says, love her back, buy her out. Not buy her out and love her back. Because sometimes we fall in love in things, we fall in love with things because there's a financial investment in it. God says, no, love her first and then pay for her out. Because that's the way God deals with us. The way God deals with us, God don't love us because we give our hearts to Jesus. God don't love us because we serve him. He loves us because that's who he is. But then after you receive his love, then he says, now work. Now Hosea has to love her again. And has to pay her out. But here's the deal. Hosea is broke. Because prophets were broke. He was broke. How do I know he's broke? Because he paid part of the payment with money. And part of the payment with barley. Part of the payment he paid with money. But the other part of the payment. He, paid, he, he bought it with stuff other than money. And in Exodus 21 verse 32. Whenever there was a purchase of this amount. Of this amount. It referred to the purchasing of female slaves. So the price that Hosea paid for his woman, Gomer, was the same price in Exodus chapter 21, verse 32, where men would pay off female slaves. So not only is she an adulterous woman, because I told you, whenever Gomer, whatever Gomer does, she goes full throttle. So she wasn't a, a complete adulterer, but now she becomes a complete slave. And God tells Hosea, love her and pay her out. Gomer had sunk to the lowest possible level because Gomer never goes halfway. She always go complete. And it is there that God tells Hosea, get her back, whatever it costs. And in case you haven't noticed, you and I, friend, we are the Gomers. You and I are the Gomers. You and I are the ones that we went astray. We went backwards. We went totally in total direction, contrary to God. And God sent his son Jesus into the world to tell you that he has a plan for you. And God came to the earth to bring you back, to love you back, to win you back. So what does Gomer do from chapter 2 to chapter 9? Look what he does. Those chapters, that's poetry. That's singing. God begins to sing a song through Hosea. Chapter 2, verse 14 and 23. There are three things, and I close with this, that God does for us, his rebellious wife. There are three things that God does for us, his adulterous bride, in order to win us back. The first thing he does, based on Hosea chapter 2, 14, is 
He woos us or he entices us tenderly. Look what it says, verse 14. It says, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. Friends, we're all guilty of harlotry. We have loved other lovers more than God. And other lovers could be money, could be wealth, could be prosperity, could be even our own spouses and even our own children. But there are people here that have loved other lovers more than God. We, like Gomer, were enslaved to the world. We were enslaved to pleasure. We were enslaved to ambition. But God has not cast us off. He promises to take us not into the house. He promises to take us into the wilderness. Why the wilderness? Because he wants to be alone with us. Because he wants to be in a secret place with us. Why? So that he can speak tenderly into our hearts. You know the misconception of the world of God is that God is angry, that God is an ogre, that God is evil, that God has a belt. That's not the God I serve. The God I serve, if we come back to him, he's going to take us to a secret place. And there he's going to romance us again and love us again. Because he wants to speak to us. Literally, the Hebrew word says, so that he can speak to her heart. And when he speaks, God will allure you. That's why you friends that are here right now, you've been hearing the word of God so far. You know what the Holy Spirit is doing right now in your heart? He is alluring you. He's enticing you. That thing you feel right now in your heart, those goosebumps in your spirit, that is God telling you, I want you back. I want you back. And you'll say, but God, I did this, I did that, I'm this, I'm the other. It doesn't matter. I want you back. I love you so much. I have a plan for you. Because when God speaks to you, God is going to charm you. God is going to entice you. He will say what a lover says to his lady when he wants to be intimate with her. God wants to talk that way to you today. Here's the second thing he does. The second thing he does, he promised her hope and safety. Hosea 2.15 says, And there I will give her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. The valley of Achor. Now, it's interesting that the valley of Achor is where Israel was first unfaithful to the Lord in the promised land. You remember the story? There's a man by the name of Achan that took the cursed thing from the Lord. And as a result of his disobedience, the city of Ai defeated Israel. So this city represents curse. This city represents taking from the forbidden thing of the Lord. But now God promises this woman. He promises this prostitute, come home. And Achor, the city of, of idolatry, the city of disobedience, will no longer be a valley of trouble. But I'm going to turn that valley of trouble into a door of hope. Verse 18 spells out her hope in more detail. Look what it says. I will make for you a covenant on that day with the beasts of the fields, the birds of the air, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land. And I will make you lie down safely. God speaks into the heart of this wife in this lonely place. God takes this woman to the wilderness. And in the desert, this is what he promises her. He doesn't tell her, well, well I don't want you here. I, no, no, he says, listen, come back, baby. I'm going to love you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to give you a promise. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you happiness. I'm going to give you joy. I know your impression of me is something else, but I love you. 
I need you to do is, Mommy Gomer, is do away with your harlotry. Do away with your prostitution. And lastly, the third thing God does, he renews his pact or covenant and consummates the marriage again in purity. Verse 19, 20. Listen to what it says. Check this out. It says, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice and in steadfast love and mercy. I will betroth you in me in faithfulness. And you shall know the Lord. Three times God says, I will betroth you. I will betroth you. I will be. He's making covenant, 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 covenant. We will go back to the days of our engagement. We will go back to the days of love. We will go back and it's all going to start all over again. But the most dangerous part of the statement that God says is found in verse 20. He says, and you shall know the Lord. What does the word know in this context mean? It's not, oh, I know you by name. The word know mean, the word know in this context means intimacy. The Bible says in Genesis, and Adam knew Eve as wife, and she bore a son by the name of Cain. The Bible says in the book of Matthew that, jo that, that Joseph got together with Mary, and they knew each other, and she conceived a son. The saying, not only am I going to bring you back, but I want to know you. I want to have conception with you. I want to have romance with you. I want to enjoy an intimacy moment like the most purest sexual intercourse with someone. I want to have that again, but God, but I'm unfaithful. But God, but I'm jacked up. But God, if you want to do it with me, yes, with you. He says, I want to know you. This is why the grace of the Old Testament is anchored in Jesus. This is why the gospel story of the Old Testament is so powerful. This is the meaning of grace interpreted seven centuries before Jesus showed up. And what must we do to qualify for this love? What does he want from us? What does he want from you? What does he want from me? Look what he says in chapter 2 verse 16. He says, in the last day, says the Lord, you will call me my husband and no longer will you call me my Baal now why Baal because the word Baal has two meanings in the Bible number one it talks about idolatry it talks about pagan worship he says come to me and you will no longer be an idol worshiper you will no longer worship other gods but me he says come to me and do away with Baal do away with idolatry. I ask you, friend. I ask you, church. What thing is it that does not allow you to give God your unreserved worship? What is it? He says, if you come to me, I'll take care of your bail. You will no longer worship other gods. You will no longer have other lovers. You will no longer talk to me as you do to the rest. I will be your lover. But the other meaning of bail other sense of the word Baal 15 times in the Old Testament Baal simply means husband but husband in the sense of ownership husband in the sense of a owner or being lord over so God is saying let me be your Baal worship me 
Make me the lover of your soul. I want to be the God you worship. I want to be the lover of your heart. And so how do we do this, church? Holiness. Holiness is what God wants from his bride. Sometimes we think about holiness and our, and our, and our, and our definition of holiness is so distorted by legalism. But, but holiness is to be apart, to be separated. I've been married to my wife for 24, January 8th. I'm going to make 25 years, a quarter being married. I'm the happiest man. My wife has been faithful, loyal, committed to me. And boy, I have given her reasons. No, I haven't. The devil is a lie. But I can sleep at night knowing that my woman loves her man and her man loves a woman because when a man loves a woman y'all know about that but that's what holiness is holiness is this no 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 i got a man Holiness is no, 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 mama, no, mama, no, 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 liposuction, I got a woman. Holiness means I belong to somebody. Holiness means I'm not going to go back to the bales. Holiness means my heart, my mind, my life, my soul, my everything belongs to God. And God is saying, come back. Let's go to the desert place. Let's be isolated from all this and be holy unto me. Because when you do that, we become this perfect combination. Holy separated. Being holy and being spiritual is not the same thing. Church is full of a lot of spiritual people that are not holy at all. And we confuse spirituality with holiness. There's a lot of religions and sects and even false religions that are spiritual. God never calls us to be spiritual. He tells us to walk in the spirit, but God calls us to be holy. Because holy means I only belong to my God. I only belong to my master. Look what Romans chapter 6 and 1 and 2 says. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it again? What is Paul telling us? If you have embraced the love of God, if you have embraced the grace of God, if you have embraced the marriage, the commitment between this God, Hosea, that saves, and he's now in your life, it is impossible. We cannot use grace like Gomer did. Oh, baby, I'll, I'll be back in a minute. And back in a minute while she was sleeping with other guys. Coming back at minute, I talk about how was your day? I had a good day. No, no, no. God is saying, we can't do that. We're going to keep going to sin because grace is there. No. Verse 15 says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God. You used to be slaves to sin. You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that now has been claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. So today, I want to reach out to every gomer in this room. 
And I want to encourage you to live out to your name. Be complete. Go all the way. Don't half step in Jesus. Don't half step the faith. The lover of your soul is here to take you broken, wounded, chastised, rejected, marginalized. He's doing his job. And all he asks from you is, Mama, go in all the way. Gomer, whether you're a male or a female, Gomer, go all the way for Jesus. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.